Hello and welcome to my podcast, Empowerment, What's the Score? I'm your host, David Winnie, former Scottish Premier League player and manager turned sports lawyer. In each episode, we meet with successful individuals from the world of sport and business and dig deep to find out how they've been empowered to succeed. Make sure you never miss an episode by following us at empowerment underscore WTS. Good evening and welcome to my new podcast, um, Empowerment, What's the Score? Uh, with this podcast, we deal, or sorry, we, we interview a successful sporting um, and people in business, actually. Um, tonight, I am delighted to welcome um, Kari Ardnison. For those of you that don't know, Kari was um, an Icelandic uh, international football player, um, played for many teams across the European continent. And for those in England, you possibly will remember the fact that he played for the team, uh, the Icelandic national team, in the 2016 game, where I think Calvary will tell me he set up a goal that helped dad beat a big, England. A big drive. It's a pleasure to welcome you tonight. Tonight, um, you explain a little bit more about that? And we'll start at the beginning. You know, um, born in Sweden, uh, Icelandic parents, correct me if I'm wrong. I, how did you get into football? Is my first question. Uh, I mean, firstly, it was to uh, make some friends, really. Uh, just a social thing. Uh, my my brother and my father both played, and my grandfather. So it was it was in in my blood, in my DNA to to play football. But was your, was your never, dad not a doctor? Yeah, Sorry, yeah. Right. So yeah. he played football too. Yeah, yeah. He uh, he tore his cruise ship back in I don't know the sixties or seventies. So right. he yeah. So and in those days they didn't operate on cruise ships. So that was pretty much him was done. Yeah, and he, he was decent, and then he just decided to go and, and educate himself and, and done a hell of a job doing that, so yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you, were, you, went, you went back to, to Iceland and kind of, you went off on a curve, not so much a curve, but against the, 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 the path a usual, your normal football player would take. You went to the States to study, didn't you? Yeah, like I said, the, the the intention was never there to become a professional footballer until like twenty, like early twenties. Right. So that, that's quite uh, late as well. Nice yeah, yeah. And then I just decided, like, this is the best way of me actually making money with football is is getting my tuition paid in America. So, All right. Okay. So I went there and 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 yeah, started the studies, but then two years into that. At 22, I I got an offer from the current Swedish champions. So I decided, well, I can I can always do this later, and and, and decided to go for it. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like an easy choice. I was actually del- like deliberating, uh, not taking it and just finishing the studies and, and all that. Right. So, but you took the chance. You thought to yeah. hell with it, as it were, and I'll, I'll go yeah. for it. Was that um, was that Malmo? Was it or Durgarden? Is it Malmo? Yeah, Durgarden. Yeah. 
Right, okay. So you went to the you went to them, um did well I take it, and then was it Denmark you went to from there? Yeah. What like what happened is it was pretty much too good of a team to join. I mean, they were in the Champions League uh, group stages the year before, so mm -hmm. I had to fight tooth and nail just to get into the team. And uh, it was yeah, it was it was a little bit too hard of a graft. So I, I got injured all the time, and I was never injury prone before that. And oh, okay. I was just throwing myself into tackle and just trying to get noticed by the <laughs> okay, okay. by the manager and that. Just so he couldn't leave me out, right? And I ended up like playing a lot, and we won the league and the cup, and, and everything went well. But uh, I think I could have done better. But uh, and then uh, obviously by throwing myself into tackles, you're, you're not making any friends in training, and I kind of painted myself into a corner there. So I felt like yeah, it's time to move on. And that was probably the the worst like move not the the move itself but to make that move a lateral move if not backwards to right. Denmark it kind of it didn't do wonders for my career let's just right. leave it like that I'll, you, you brought up a comment there that I thought was quite interesting and knowing you as I do Carly you said throwing yourself into tackles didn't make didn't make me a lot of friends you're that type of person that frankly doesn't give a toss and you, I, I you say your to. opinion as, but we'll part that one and come back to that one later. But uh, just a quick it's kind of whistle stop tour for uh, the viewer stroke listener here. So you've gone from Tourgarden to, was it then to Denmark or then did you come into England from there? No, I went to Denmark uh, from there. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And then I made the move to England after three years in Denmark. Yeah, to Plymouth, and I mean, for for the viewer, that's where I got uh, introduced to to Cowrie, and it was an, an illegal kind of situation. And uh, yeah, exactly. Hey, it, it, uh, at Plymouth, the just kind of quick quick overview: the the club went into administration. And um, Cowrie refused to accept. Again, correct me if I'm wrong, Cowrie, you refused to accept um, what was being offered, um, which could, if you hadn't accepted, <clears throat> could have sunk the club. Yeah. Um, explain away. Yeah. Like you said, it went into administration and, and we didn't get paid for about seven months I think yeah, um, yeah. See, people because don't realize that, yeah. isn't the biggest club uh, the administrator who normally comes in if let's say Liverpool go into administration the administrator comes in and he just pays everyone's wages because he knows somebody's going to buy Liverpool at the end of the day and he's going to get yeah. paid with interest probably mm -hmm. so there's no problems there with Plymouth it was another story the administrator came in and he thought, well, it's 50-50 if someone's going to buy Plymouth or not. So I'm not going to pay these boys wages. I'm just going to let them play and sign a document of like a deferral of wages. So promising if the club comes out on the other end, you're all going to get what you're owed. Mm -hmm. And the yeah. PFA, they said, yeah, th this is all 
like they didn't explain it properly. So mm -hmm. they said we all thought, all right, this is fine, all right. Like you, you have you've been a professional footballer for five or six years. You have something saved up, so it's not you don't need the money right now. You can you can get by, but mm -hmm. you like to get paid, so it doesn't really matter if it's now or in six months or, or a year or whatever. Mm -hmm. But you would like all of it because it's in your contract. But then when the when the club came out of administration, it was it was pretty much all right a negotiation. So yeah, we'll pay you seventy five p to the pound or sixty p to the pound or whatever it was. Mm. And that was never explained. So I went, no, I'm not accepting that. And and uh, whatever it was, uh, X amount of, of peace to the pound. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and, and I was the the, the latest, uh, last one to hold out. And it was, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I didn't know what was going on behind the scenes at Plymouth. You should probably know better. But yeah, I was yeah, told I, I do. It yeah. was a bit touch and go at one yeah. stage, but I, I doubt that's true. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it's, it's not something we'll, I can discuss here, but it, it gave me a, a, an overview or an introduction, Curry, to your character. And uh, I suppose that what drives you and, and your um, your views uh, about life and your, and your principles. Uh, from there... Then you've gone, you've stayed in the UK to an extent. You've gone, you couldn't really get any further away from Plymouth. And you went up to Aberdeen. Yeah. Um, and um, I think probably that was an interesting tale as well. Um, I think, did that not get you introduced again, though, to the Icelandic national team? Yeah. Because you've been out of it for a while, hadn't you? And I mean, yeah. that got you back into the, the picture again. That was definitely very good in terms of the national team because uh, the manager that was before and had been for four years, he never liked me and, and didn't pick me for a single single outing for, for Iceland. So, what do you mean? He, he, he left he me out of it for four and a half like years. You. You're saying he didn't like you just as a player or just as a yeah, personality? Yeah, I, th I think so. I, I also said some not so great things in the media after he didn't pick me, which kind of... <laughs> Seems to be a consistent bit. Yeah, the nail in the coffin. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's definitely a consistency in the in the start of my career, hundred percent. Yeah, no, it seems to follow a long way. Uh, but yeah, and uh, um, what happened is Craig Brown. Yeah, the ex Scotland manager. Yeah, yeah ex Scotland was manager of uh, Aberdeen at the time, and and he gave Lars Lagerbeck, the the new manager for Iceland, a call. Because they knew each other from like various yeah. tournaments where yeah. Scotland met Sweden and Lars is a little bit younger, but the the same generation, mm -hmm. so they were quite friendly and and he gave him a call. Said, "Listen, I have a I have a player here that you should definitely look at." And and so for the first, first proper game, he he called me into the squad for the first time in four years, and I I played. Poorly in that game, uh, so I thought, so oh, well, that's the chance gone. But gave me another chance and, and did really well. So yeah, didn't look back from there. Right. Okay. Okay. That was what probably was it 2012, 13. Yeah. So uh, yeah, 2012 he took over. 
Right. Okay. From there, I mean, you've you've moved onwards and upwards. Yeah. In in your club career, did you go back to Malmo then? No, when uh, what happened was uh, wasn't I, I played well for Aberdeen the first first like uh, six months I was there, and then yep. there was like speculations of of bigger moves and and yeah yep. and nothing really panned out. So it it got to my head. Uh, I didn't. I I it was frustrating, but. I was determined that it wouldn't affect my football, but it did. And looking back on it, I didn't know that that was probably the reason why I, I did like seriously. There was a serious dip in form there. All right, okay. Not making excuses, but I, I think that was the reason. But and so I ended up after the season, and there was about six months of good football there, and. Three months of not so good football. Right. So I was not like I was not handpicking clubs. Oh, which one do you want to go to? I was basically yeah, wow. And uh, so I went to Rotherham in League Two. Yeah, but I mean that. I mean to be fair, they did when you were there. They did very well. They were promoted twice. That's right, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I mean, it speaks for itself. And that yeah. I suppose as well as allowed you. To stay or suppose cement your position in the national team, and then we're now coming up to the, the Euro Championships, and uh, you know everyone did think Iceland has no chance. Um, you know, as I say, it was spoken about country with a population size of Croydon. What chance have they got? So it, it's. Just to explore a little bit with the, about the culture of this team, this group of players, because you've got, you know, three hundred thousand people. Yeah, um, it was a it was a strange mix. I mean, it was uh, it was players that uh, it was a they call it the golden generation. Uh, it was boys that are about did you come through the, the youth teams or, or nine years younger than I am? Yeah, okay. And they made it to the Euros, under-21 Euros, and they are the really uh, right, strong okay. squad. Right, okay. And they were all grown up now, so they were, like, in the, not late 20s, but they were, yeah. The peak of their careers, 20, yeah. 24, 5, 6, around mm -hmm. that age. Mm -hmm. And then you had, basically, back four and the keeper who were around my age. So, yeah, 30s, right. like, early 30s. Right, and it, it just gelled. Uh, we were the, like a bit of steel at the back and, and organisation-wise, strong. Mm. Not playing in the best teams in the world, but we could raise our game. Do you think Lars Lagerback helped that? In, in 100%. He's, he's the godfather of football in, in Iceland. He, he saw that. It was very easy for him to drop me because he had centre-backs playing in... Especially when I was in in Rotherham in League Two, but he never did. Okay. He always stuck by me because he knew that me and this other boy were kind of not the key to it, but like we were the organizers of the team and 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 played really well together. And and, and yeah, so right. he he took that 
instead of just picking the the, the boys from the biggest clubs, which right. is the easier way of doing it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's that had happened previously in Iceland with the teams, and it's like became a bit of a kind of Hollywood situation where they just went to the to play for the team as a bit of a jaunt and not yeah. actually to achieve anything. That uh, was, and I was involved in it when I was younger, when I, yeah, okay. when I played for Jürgen in, in Denmark. So, and I, I know all about that. And uh, it was, it was exactly that. You just yeah. came yeah. to the national team for a piss up and... and uh, <laughs> yeah, a little joint away. You were looking forward to the game to end because and you you never you never thought about winning it and it was just like, right, okay. this game and then we'll have a drink and go downtown and <laughs> yeah um but it's flipped from that or it had flipped from that to you've now kind of jumped forward but you've actually qualified for the European Championships so mm. and you've got just to remind people you've got again correct me if I'm wrong you've got Austria well, you've got Portugal, you've got Hungary, and you've got Austria in your group stage in France. Yeah. Well, so you've got, you know, forgive me for saying this, but you've got Croydon against um, a Portugal in the first game. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you being you, I think you were up against... Um, your man Ronaldo, weren't you? And yeah. uh, it was a bit of a tete a tete, was there not that day or that yeah. evening? Yeah, it was. Uh, it was very frustrated because we we just man marking them all over the shop, and uh, it wasn't pretty. It, we were just oh, <laughs> we parked the bus, but did it. We were quite good at it, and uh, it was very organised. It wasn't just like staying in your own box trying to defend. We were actually trying to counter it. It was a purpose to it mm-hmm. and uh, it was a very rigid 4-4-2 we always played 4-4-2 and, and, and yeah. Yeah, yeah I know we were always likely on the counter attack and of set pieces so we always knew we, we we scored in every game in that tournament so it's not like we were just defending and hope uh, to get a, a nil-nil draw we were actually looking to win all the games but we were doing it our own way yeah. So there was a. It, it might have looked chaotic, like defending inside the box, but that it was very structured. We we've been training that for for ages, for years. I remember. I mean, watching it, I I, I actually was lucky enough. I went to France to watch a couple of your games, and it was you could feel it. Um, this you know, as we, you know, the basis of this um, podcast empowerment or or culture within a, a group of people to overcome anything. And, I mean, this is a classic example of it. Um, and nobody can have got in your way. Well, you, that's Mr. Ronaldo's an example. I know he, he wasn't very complimentary of the team no. afterwards. And no. I think you gave him as good as he got, yeah. as good as you got from it um, in comments, which... Frank, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. No, no I mean, he, he didn't put it into context. Like, he was he was playing the smallest team, like, the, he was playing like a village in Portugal. Yeah. Like, let's say the village in Portugal tried to assemble the strongest team and they, they played the whole of Portugal. Mm-hmm. On you go. 
try to get a result for us. But if you put it in context, it's no, no, like it's a, quite an accomplishment to to get a result in the first game. The nerves are you have the the whole nation in the in the stand pretty much. Yeah. Nobody wants to let everyone down. Nobody wants to be that guy. Oh, yeah. I slipped yeah. and they scored. Yeah. So the nerves for us, uh, like we we know we've got nothing to lose, but the nerves are still there. Like you want to do yourself proud, you want to do the nation proud, and all that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I just try to put it into context. Uh, put um, yeah, it is. He was just. Yeah. Like, and I, I mean, it was a it was a draw, and you know, and again in context in context they've gone on to win it, you know, yeah. um, but they weren't happy about this first game, and you've then gone on to um, Hungary, got a good result against them. That wasn't we weren't happy with that because we were leading that game, and 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 two subs came on. And it, it like stuff like this, a ball watching moment, and it's in the back of the net. It was all about this for us. Mm-hmm. Like, you cannot be ball watching for one second, or you're going to pick it out of your own net. So, that was our mantra. That was what we went by. Like, you cannot be sleeping for one millisecond. You have to be on it all the time, always 90 mm-hmm. minutes or 95 minutes or whatever it is. And yeah. everyone worked to that. And so these two players came on. I'm not going to name them, but what Iceland? Yeah, they <laughs> were, like both of the subs were ball watching. Yeah, and they scored back of the queue. They didn't come on for the rest of the tournament. So th- oh. this was what he was all about, and I, I loved that. He didn't say anything. He said, uh, "You're talking about last night, back here." Yeah, yeah. He would put it up on the video. Listen, this is not acceptable. He wouldn't go into like hammering anyone. He would just, right. he wouldn't play. Mm-hmm. So they didn't cut, like they went to the back of the queue for the rest of the tournament, right. subs wise. And then the subs that came on against Austria actually won us the game. I remember that. Yeah, I was at that game. So that, like he, he would do, like he, he, he didn't care who you were. Like if you do the job, you're in. If you don't, yeah. you're off. You're off. So that, Gets you qualified. That gets you out of the group. They, they win against Austria in the dying minutes, where everybody's holding their breath, and then the whole sky erupts with thunder and lightning. It was like a one of your best operas. And then you move in, move through, and then you've got England, and everyone's expecting, yep, just turn up, play the flute, and we're through. Yeah, and it's a different story. Yeah. 11 or whatever it was 15 guys had another idea and um, it, it might not be but it comes close to being one of England's most humiliating moments as a nation in yeah. football and uh, <laughs> I can <laughs> I can see the uh, the wry smile there because I think you set up one of the goals that night didn't you? Was it? it wasn't in Marseille was it was it in uh uh, it was in uh, Nice. Nice, right, okay. Um, but I think as well, there was an added political element in that the UK had just Brexit was on the horizon, yeah. wasn't it? And we'd just we'd get into that situation and all of that nonsense. And 
thankfully everybody's heads were up their backside in the yeah. UK and uh, Iceland capitalised on it um, that must have been particularly you playing in England as well well you went to England at that time but you knew the culture etc of what it's about here yeah and he Lars was brilliant before that game and uh, he just he made it we were like this was the biggest test of our time together as a, as a team by a million miles I mean everybody knows how big do, England do, is do you think and, it was it and I have not touched just on this with you is it was it him that kind of empowered you or you as a group or is it was it an internal thing within each one of you like we're going to do things here we we always yeah we always believe but like well, he he just gave us a structure and and, and kind of obviously picked the team that gelled together mm-hmm. and everybody knew this was a good thing about this team everybody knew exactly what they were bringing to the table uh, yeah. uh, for myself it was organization reading the game uh, and a bit of bit of steel like winning right. you have this like the simple stuff but mm-hmm. reading the game and reading what's going on in front of you and letting everyone know mm-hmm. uh, obviously other players have other roles but they knew exactly what they were I knew exactly what they were so I didn't expect them to do anything else uh, right but before this game he he came up and and, and had a meeting and he said listen boys I know this is like this is like you you're looking on this massively, but he said this is probably our easiest game so far that you're gonna play. You're coming up against the <laughs> most overrated yeah. bunch of players that are in like in this tournament, left in this tournament. Like this team isn't as good as you think it is, not by a million miles. And then he showed us clips of of basically sloppy defending from them and shown us they didn't really get punished so much. Do you think you genuinely thought that or was it just that kind of little ploy to get you thinking, you know what, I, he's maybe right here. They're not as good as they think they are. I, I uh, or a bit of both. And uh, like he was, he never beat, he never, like England never beat Sweden under him. Ever. All right, okay. So he had like a stranglehold on England. So I, I honestly think he uh, came from the heart. I never like I, I don't know, but he was a, a very honest person, very straightforward. Uh, but he made them look poor uh, in that video, and uh, we saw some. And we, we had chances to to score more, and they really didn't. They had, yeah, maybe some. They had a lot of set set plays, but that yeah. was us. like we were comfortable with. Defending corners and defending free kicks and everything. So yeah, uh, they, I mean, they like that, and that literally was the easiest game of the tournament. Wow, right, okay, right. That's uh, that's it. Like, it ended two one. It's not like we absolutely pumped them, but this you have to consider this was our playing style. This is what we enjoy to do: defending mm. and mm. then trying to catch you. So. Yeah. If yeah. it's a long throw, it's a long throw. If it's a, it's yeah. a counter attack, it's not, yeah. not, not very often we started playing from the back and went forward and, and scored that way. So 
but we had that way of scoring and we yeah. we did so in every single game. Wow. Yeah, I mean, for me, the defining moments of that game, I think, were when um, the cold being Sigurdsson scored the goal that went under the keeper's body and everyone kind of after it went in because that was that took you into the lead yeah. towards the end of the game the English players effectively just collapsing in the turf yeah. as it went in and then afterwards you lads running towards the Icelandic supporters and they're giving a whole you know the Viking clap type thing yeah. um, which is now kind of spread around the world that's the abiding memories for me I and mean, then obviously you've got a million others but um, kind of moving on from that, then you've gone into play France yeah. in the quarterfinals, and that's a different story. Yeah. That was, uh, we actually, after we beat England, we thought, we're doing a Greece, eh? we're going all the way. <laughs> but France, honestly, different level. Uh, right, okay. And... Uh, to be honest, like I said uh, to you before we started, uh, it's a it's a group of maybe fourteen players actually played in the tournament, and and so it was always the same eleven that started every single game. So we were mentally and physically knackered, yeah, and yeah, yeah drained and and. We we came across a team that was just one size too big for us, if not two. Uh, mm-hmm. Having played them there, we've played them many times after that, about four times. Mm-hmm. And we've actually come close. I mean, we've actually come close to beating them and uh, knowing how they play. Mm-hmm. But that Griezmann... Uh, and Giroud combo killed us, uh, killed the back four, and they just ran over us in the middle with Kante and Pogba. We, yeah. we were on our dying legs, and they trapped us, to be fair. They uh, they let us play out from the back, and you don't want to lump it long if no one's pressing you. So, so they kind of lured us into playing it into the midfield, and then... Sissoko, Kante and Pogba just ate us up and, and the, the counter-attack against us was on, which was a big no-no for us. We didn't yeah. let anyone counter us. Mm-hmm. So that was, yeah. yeah. They did, obviously done their homework on you. And I recall as well, the game was effectively over by half-time, wasn't it? Yeah, it was 4-0 at half-time. Four half-time yeah. Second half, I came off and uh, we did really well. Uh, <laughs> 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 that tells you a story then. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, they actually won the second half. That's yeah. an achievement. But yeah, it was, we scored two and they, they added one, so it was 5-2 in the end. Yeah, but I mean, you've come away from that tournament with millions of fans, millions of people respecting Icelandic football and uh, a, a light shining on the team and the country and then was it two years later against the odds again you've got FC Croydon forgive me but they've now qualified for the World Cup in Russia yeah. uh, again um, and you know, this time you've got what in your group Argentina Croatia and no, Argentina. Nigeria yeah yeah you're right Nigeria 
and your first game was against Argentina. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, you know, um, that's another level again, isn't it? You're in a World Cup, that's another step up, I suppose. Yeah. I, and, you know, you've got country with 300,000 and whatever it is, football players against ex-world champions. Yeah. And uh, you gave as good as you got. Yeah. We, we got a draw. Sure got, I should have got a penalty, uh, 100% penalty. And But I didn't realise it. that When I watched the game back, I saw it. It was, <laughs> it was a penalty shout there. And they, it was the first major tournament they had VAR or VAR. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, we should have. And in that tournament, it was enough to do this, like the, the old square with the, with the fingers, and then they would go to the... Oh, right, okay. To the telly, but uh, yeah, yeah, okay. But uh, yeah, mean, we, I, we did well there. That was another. I mean, you've, you're up against players like Messi, where from a football perspective, you, you couldn't say, right, let's put somebody up against him the whole no. game because it, it you just couldn't do that. No, you know, no disrespect to Icelandic players, but you just didn't have the ability, it had to be a team thing, yeah, and it was uh. It was it was funny because the he became assistant manager after after the World Cup. Uh, Freyr Alexanderson, he's called. Oh, okay. A very good analyst, and he uh, he showed us a video of uh, Messi and how how he does the things he does in the Spanish league, especially, mm-hmm. and uh, and it was always like. Gaining a little extra one percent, two percent, whatever it is. Yeah, and you could see in every clip he's right, like absolutely destroying defenses. Everyone's all the time going for the ball, like they're going for the ball all the time. They're like basically selling themselves mm-hmm. to try to get the ball off him, which is yeah, very hard if not impossible at times. So. What they said is, listen, if, if you come up against him, just back off him. Let him do something. Like, do not try to poke the ball off him or anything. If he passes the ball, that's fine. But just keep one and a half yards away from him. And, and then he has to, like, then it's actually just one against one. Right. What happened was, we, we stuck by that rule. What happened was, he didn't try to take anyone on. Okay. So he he was like he didn't do much. Like it's it's strange to say, but he didn't do much that game because obviously people knew he was he was looking for the opportunity to go past yeah. someone. But yeah, yeah. As long as you didn't attack him, he wouldn't take you on. Yeah. I mean, you raised an interesting point there. Actually, I hadn't thought of, but about Icelandic coaches. I know they've previously they've you know they've they've not been there at all. You, you've not had any, but over the last you know 10, 20 years or so, there's been a, an increasing depth of really good coaches. Not not just in football, but in like for example handball, and they're they're all around Europe now yeah. and elsewhere. Yeah. So that must be something in your mindset and your mentality as a nation that you produce really good methodical. Thinking coaches, 100%. Uh, it's just a thought. I just come yeah. up, 
you know, hundred no, percent. I mean, I think Lars started all that because yeah, yeah. he was so tactical. It was all, and international football is is that it's mm-hmm. very tactical. Yeah, and uh, that's why I think the Icelandic club teams haven't been doing well lately because the the managers there aren't tactical enough. They need to have a better tactical understanding, and I, I think that's changing now. Yeah, uh, uh, definitely. I definitely agree. With you. I mean, just to kind of wrap up the playing side of it here, you've you went then to Mano, you went to to Turkey, and that you know, okay, well, for a short spell, but then Mar- or Malmo before it, yeah, and you've came across. Did you come across Ronaldo again? Mm. When you played against, did you not yeah, play against yeah, Real Madrid? Yeah, we we made it to the group stages, the group it? stages of the Champions League with Malmo after we won the league there. And yeah, we played Real Madrid and, and Paris Saint Germain and Shakhtar Donetsk. So it was a group of death. Oh, well, I was going to yeah, say yeah, that. that's what I love group that. <laughs> so it was uh, yeah, it was tough, but we we beat we managed to beat Shatka Donetsk at home, and uh, we were actually close to something against Real Madrid. It, it ended two two nil, but we were like we were right in it the whole way through, and then mm-hmm. they caught us on the counter attack mm-hmm. nine seconds of the game and scored the second one. Mm. At home, we were we were strong, but we it was a young team, and, and we got absolutely battered uh, by Paris Saint Germain at home. And right. we had yeah, it, if we had some suspensions and injuries, we were struggling big time. Yeah, uh, I mean from there, it's you know kind of skipping a little bit. You've then come home to Iceland and finished your career. So it's gone full circle, hasn't it? Because you started with. Yeah. Uh, Viking or Viking or in, in Iceland, and you've gone come home again. And uh, it's like the perfect glory. Yeah. And won the Icelandic FA Cup. Yeah. Um, in your last season. I mean, that, what a way to finish. Did you know before I, this is going to be my last year, my last season? Like the year before, I, I thought was going to be my last, but due to COVID and like everything was shut down, all of a sudden the, the league got cancelled and like there was three yeah. games to play. I thought this this cannot be the end. <laughs> what way to either. So I thought this, this is like no chance, this is the end. So I decided to do one last roll of the dice and <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we won everything. On offer and and yeah now I'm you know, uh, you know, yeah. yeah yeah I know from from that now you know we touched on the Icelandic coaching thing earlier you've now you're now a coach are you assistant coach at uh, Vikingur no I'm uh, the sporting director of the club. right so what does that entail for you that that's basically Everything. I mean, it's fifty. I would say it's it's around fifty percent of of it is is the first team, like recruiting players. Mm-hmm. Obviously, when we have to have a new manager, you, you do you like you recruit the manager and and, mm-hmm. and all that, and try to find a way to help the manager develop the players. Mm-hmm. And then it goes all the way down to 
yeah, under 15, uh, yeah, under 14, 15, and, and, and setting up a structure for them to, to develop into to players to, to play for the first team and hopefully go abroad and, and play there. Was that was that a deliberate, um, not so much ploy, but a deliberate um, action by you that, in, in that I want, after my career's finished, I want to stay in the game? Yeah, because um, I, I mean, I always thought with you that you you had other you've another business interests. Yeah, I mean, and... I, I'm 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 doing other business on the side as well. Uh, mm-hmm. we, we're into property development and we're, we're building we're building houses uh, about a hundred apartments as is now. So we, that business is also blossoming and it looks really uh, really good at the minute uh, because the. <laughs> the property uh, isn't getting any cheaper over here. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. Only one direction, but uh, but yeah, I, I wasn't I wasn't applying for it, but they they offered me the job, and 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 uh, I was actually applying for the for the for the federation's job. Uh, so be a, like a director of football for uh, the federation, mm-hmm. and. I was having talks with him, and it was, but it felt like they were stalling. And 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 in the meantime, Vikingur offered me uh, the job for them. And it's a club that I you feel know well. very passionately about. And, mm-hmm. and when I came home, I I could have picked any club pretty much, but uh, there was no like I didn't even have a discussion mm-hmm. with anyone else. I just went straight to my club and mm-hmm. said I'm coming home, and then we sorted that. So. So that was, yeah, it was quite an easy choice and, and experience, a good experience as well. Mm-hmm. I know you, you mentioned there about um, possibly working with the National Football Federation, the KSI. That didn't work. I know you've, you've, as I mentioned before, you've never been slow to voice your opinion when you think it's something's wrong. Um. Do you think the KSI KSI have been slow to recognise the achievements of this kind of golden generation and to harness it to use them in the in coaching the next generation of players in Iceland? Yeah, I mean, yes and no. It's because a lot of the boys that were involved in the team are still playing. And, and due to characteristics, there's this. I don't know how many of them will be involved in football, but definitely someone. Mm-hmm. But what I wanted to see was continuity in what we were doing. So mm-hmm. we're not always, all right, we're bringing a new manager, we're going to try something completely new. Let's see how that works for four years. And then, all right, we're going nowhere with this or whatever. If, that, if that's the case, you go on, get a new manager, that's yeah, why you yeah. need someone to look after, like, listen, this is the way we do things and we're gonna build on that. I'm not gonna I'm not I'm not saying we're always gonna play four for two, we're gonna do it exactly as last did it. That mm-hmm. wasn't the case. What happened was when last left, his assistant manager took over, we were doing exact same things, but he he was trying to make the team move forward still. He was trying to change like we were in a rigged 4-4-2 mm-hmm. 
our best attacker was injured the whole campaign. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden we had to change it all. We needed like he was our like we used to just lump it up to him and mm-hmm. he would like do all sorts of damage. Mm-hmm. Now he was gone. We had to develop. We were still doing exact same things defensively, but we had to develop somehow. Mm-hmm. And he managed to take it one step further. And then and then we like the progression was there. Eric Hamren took over. Uh, but he had a guy alongside him who was involved in the team for the whole period. Mm-hmm. So he was in his ear, like, listen, this is what we're trying to yeah. like, this is what we've been trying to do. So that yeah. was always being reiterated and like readdressed, kind of. Mm-hmm. But he was still doing his thing, trying to move in the right direction. And, and mm-hmm. we did quite well, but we had so many injuries and, and, and all that. So it was difficult. And, and we made it to playoffs. And, and with, the, with the old system of the best third team, like the, the team with the best results in third place, we would have actually made it to the Euros. But because yeah, yeah. it changed it with uh, this new league and that, it, it was, it was, we didn't make it. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. but that was just because Turkey, we actually did our job with Turkey. We beat him once and, and drew him away. But mm-hmm. France messed it up against Turkey. And, and yeah, Turkey stole four points of him. We, we were hoping just France would steamroll the group, but fair play to Turkey. It did really well against them. Yeah. Stole points with, which with that group of players, they never should have done. Yeah. Um, just, you know, kind of on, on continuing the theme of, of the, the podcast or tonight, I should say, you know, it's clear that you've been, you know, from a personal level, Anyway, you've been very driven um, to achieve things. You know, not just you've, you've said it yourself. You pointed out not just in football but in business. You're a very successful in business now. Um, is can you put it down to something in your life that's that's been the the catalyst for this, or is it just something in your DNA? Do you think, or is it an Icelandic thing, or you know that's got you from this little kid to playing all over the world, playing the World Cup, playing the Euros, very successful businessman, you know, and you come from a, a, a an iceberg in the middle of the Atlantic, effectively. Yeah, I mean, I think it's something to do with my upbringing. I mean, my old man was, was tough and... Uh, he set a standard and like, if you're going to do something, you, you have to do it properly. And he would call you out all the time. Hey. And, and it just gets, the more times he says it, the more it gets glued in your, in your head. Uh-huh. And uh, so that, that's always been a guiding light. And <laughs> this anger issues there that, that actually I managed to turn around when I was around 18 years old, 17, 18 uh, within uh, you, you mean? yeah, 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 and right. uh, I, I turned him into my advantage. Like the, I used to have a switch that went off, and and there was no like recovering from it. But I, oh, right. I managed okay. to like. I never got you in trouble, did it? You were never in the, um, at the in the police stations at the midnight on a Saturday night, is it? 
<laughs> no comment. Uh, okay. uh, but, but, but yeah, I mean, we'll that one now. Yeah, uh, but uh, I mean, yeah. but I was I was lucky enough to be able to. And my mother was uh, very important in that. She knew how to handle that temper. Mm-hmm. But I, I used to, I managed to turn that around and use it as an asset. Uh, not knowingly, obviously, you're 17, you're not thinking these thoughts, no. oh, maybe this is an asset, but it just it just happened. And mm-hmm. and it came through football, just being an angry, angry footballer and basically running around trying to, to like, absolutely send someone on a stretcher off the pitch. Okay. And when I realised that, I, I realised I'm actually a lot better at this than than play like trying to play football so yeah so i like i developed that and that that's what got me abroad and, and playing and and yeah so and also just like fighting with with your brother all the time who's who's a bit older than me because mm-hmm. it's, it's like having a good family it helped me a lot and fighting with my brother not only brings you like like physical strength because he's a lot stronger than you uh, than I was. It also gives you mental strength because he's just battering you all the time and, and <laughs> we're playing like all the time because the winter is long here and it's cold. So yeah. inside the house we were playing whatever it was, handball, basketball, football. Mm-hmm. But it was a tussle and you, you're fighting someone's five years older than you. And he was very good at it, to be honest, to let me have a little sniff so I would come back for more. Like, he would let me win one out of ten. And I would come back for more, back for more, back for more. And, like, the more I think about it, the more, like, he he was brilliant, to be honest. Yeah, he was playing you mentally. <laughs> yeah. yeah and still to this day, if I beat him at something, I, I like, I get a guilty conscience. It's, it's very strange. Very yeah. Strange. Um, I mean, moving on, to your, on, on that note and moving on to your own young family is that something you would want to instill in them or you think oh no wait a minute I don't want these anger issues I'm going to leave that there and they can be what they want to be or or what I'll, I'll definitely try my very hardest to put a work ethic in there and, mm-hmm. and that was installed in me and I, I would that's 100 percent. and then whatever he wants to do i wouldn't want him to become a professional footballer because it, it's not a very fun i mean it, i was lucky enough to play for iceland and have all these adventures and but a lot of the time it's just a graft you're playing in league one league two whatever you're making a decent living obviously but uh will you be able to touch the premier league possibly it's not very likely but if he wants yeah. to do that, I'll support him 100%, but I'm not pushing him towards it. First and foremost, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a social thing. And, and if he wants to do something with it, I'll help him. Yeah. That's a very sound and I think educated response. Um, and I wouldn't expect anything else. Carrie, it's, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you again, big fella. Um, and um, thanks very much for, for taking the time. I know you're a busy man. Thanks very much for taking the time to uh, 
come on our podcast and um, I hope you enjoyed it. Appreciate yeah. it. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on Empowerment What's the Score. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel to never miss an episode.